Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by MUBI, the online streaming cinema. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. back ladies and gentlemen to a brand new episode of the film stage show the movie review podcast for the filmstage.com as always i'm your host brian j rowan with me today to talk about alita battle angel we have michael snydell hello bill graham god damn it and a special guest jay rosenfield hello happy to be here hello jay we are happy to have you and by means of saying hello to everyone else listening at home, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Um, so I'm a film writer, not uh, super professionally. <laughs> um, I've been writing about film for almost 10 years uh, casually, and I, I went to film school, and I, uh, you know, I, I got pretty good at it. Um, I, li- I, I like to think. um so i write i write on medium right now i was a senior editor at audiences everywhere which is a site that's unfortunately no longer around but now i write for myself and uh i i write more on twitter than anywhere else probably but (laughs) that's how it goes i feel like uh that's true for everyone (laughs) that's (laughs) yeah Yeah. uh, this is a a low blow to someone who really doesn't need it from me neil gaiman has that same problem (laughs) <laughs> say, say that issue say that problem neil gaiman uh celebrated british fantasy author has the issue mm-hmm. of writing more on twitter than anywhere else which is uh oh, yeah shout out to all my gaiman heads out there you know what i'm talking about those last <laughs> few novels have not been great anyway now that we are done just slandering someone who is so much more rich famous and influential than all of us Let's move on. Uh, as always, follow us on Twitter at Film Stage Show. Find us on Facebook, The Film Stage Show. Give us a comment and rating on iTunes, of course. And you can email us podcastfilmstage.com. Uh, if you are a fan of this show and are subscribed to our feed, you may have noticed that midweek we dropped a classic review of Unstoppable on you. Whoa. You like a freight train. And we were able to do that because of our great Patreon supporters. So if you would like to become one of them and help us to produce even more episodes talking about tony scott films go to patreon.com slash the film stage show for as little as one dollar an episode you get access to our slack channel and you get uh entered into a whole bunch of raffles and stuff that um no one else has access to you know what i just realized we have one of those and i can't remember what it's for (laughs) uh it's widows on blu-ray holy shit how could i forget yeah yeah uh one of the best movies of last year definitely one of the most don't do it brian don't do it (laughs) detailed examinations of chicago politics ever put to film michael absolutely (laughs) we don't have many uh inside jokes on this but jay just in case you didn't know michael's main beef with widows was the fact that uh he didn't think that the the way they showed chicago politics was particularly good Huh. Yeah. All right. And we (laughs) talked about that for an hour and a half. (laughs) Anyway, if you would like to own Widows, a great documentary about Chicago politics on Blu-ray, become a Patreon supporter 
We will post the link where you can go and write your favorite heist movie to be entered to win that Blu-ray. Again, that's patreon.com slash the film state show. And of course, we are brought to you by Mubi. Online streaming cinema where their fabulous curators every day give you a brand new movie to watch. And uh, you have 30 days to check it out. So you always have a rotating selection of 30 films. Their Berlin Al takeover is still happening. Did you I've see got that there you know was an Alex Ross Perry movie yesterday, Brian. I I was gonna say, you know, Michael, I gave you shit for Widows. This is the perfect time for you to give me shit about the fact the Queen of Earth is on movie. And uh, even though this is ad copy, uh, even though I should say nothing but good things about movie, I, movie, I just like God, Queen of Earth. If you've ever if you've ever wanted to have a real good time listening to a podcast, go watch Queen of Earth on movie, and then uh, listen to us talk about it on this show. <laughs> I was going to say, since we all loved First Reformed so much, Diary of a Country Priest is on there. That was recently added. But, you know, if you feel like you hate yourself and you really need to do something cruel to yourself one evening, just uh, flip on Queen of Earth by Alex Ross Perry. Again, that is part of their Berlin Al takeover. And you can Alex, get a free... please email me. We'd love to have you on the podcast. <laughs> you know, the thing is, I've heard him on other podcasts talking about movies. Yeah. He seems like a great... Funny, yeah, he's lovely. intelligent, thoughtful <laughs> man who I would probably have a great conversation with. It is not my fault that I hate every one of his movies so passionately. <sighs> Her smell coming out this year. Um, let's uh, let's tell people again for a free thirty day trial of movie. Go to mubi dot com slash filmstage and quickly get out of this ad read before we say anything that jeopardizes us and our reputations. So that's it. That's all. That's the front matter. It is over. We can now get into our feature review. Again, that is Battle Angel. Nope, it's Alita Battle Angel. <laughs> we uh, we need to have a counter going <laughs> to see how often I do that. Because I know it's going to be a problem. This movie, directed by Robert Rodriguez. Screenplay by James Cameron and Leta Colagridis. And, sure. um, yeah, it stars Rosa Salazar, Christoph Waltz, Jennifer Connelly, which is awesome to see her in any movie at any time. Really made my day. Also, Mahershala Ali, Ed Screen, also known as the guy who could not make the Transporter franchise happen again, <laughs> as well as Jackie Earl Haley and a just faceless, formless white man named Kean Johnson. Uh, I'm going to be so mean to him throughout this entire podcast. Anyway, uh, it's already happening. Here is the trailer. Does it bother you? That I'm not completely human. You are the most human person I have ever met. Didn't I tell you to be home before dark? I just lost track of time. Alita, you have to be responsible. You are someone very special. Hey, kid. Not just a teenage girl. Hey, what's your problem? You can't remember. What do you mean? Doc found you in the scrapyard. So you must be from up there. 
And I'm just. All right. That is the trailer or part of it for Alita Battle Angel out in theaters now. Great big old wide release this weekend. This movie is about Dr. Dyson Ito, who finds a part of a cyborg woman and gives her a body and tries to help her find out about her past as she presently has no memory. Along the way, they meet a cavalcade of characters who mean them both well and ill, and a futuristic cyberpunk adventure begins. So, let us talk about it. We will, of course, do our nutshell basic thought reviews first before launching into spoilers. Jay, as our guest, would you like to go first? Sure. Um, So I guess I'll start by saying that I saw the trailer for this movie in front of other movies about uh, a billion times. And... (laughs) I, I I got sort of it, it was beaten into my brain so much that I just convinced myself that I wouldn't like it, and mm-hmm. I think that's that's probably going to happen when you are subjected to any movie trailer as many times as I was, and it's because it was delayed so much. I think. So when I sat down, I was like, "All right, you know, we'll we'll see," but I was not expecting to like it. I certainly was not expecting to like it as much as I did, which is a lot. Um, it, I found it really, really uh, exciting from a uh, not not just from an action standpoint but from a thematic standpoint even though it's it kind of is treading the same ground as a lot of other similar stories uh, you know obviously it's based on a manga from many decades ago that itself was kind of taking ideas from other things that already existed even back then but i think it it executes so well on those ideas and it executes so well on the story it's trying to tell it is really weirdly structured and there's a lot of various interlocking threads and i think it does a pretty good job of of keeping them all straight and and intertwining them in some fun ways whereas i think a worse movie would have just it would have just been a complete tangled mess and you're cutting between all these different things and you have no idea which way is up i think this movie did a I was expecting a movie that did a lot of the wrong things, the quote unquote wrong things. And this movie does a lot of things right. And it also does a lot of things that I thought were really interesting and really stuff you don't see from even the sort of trashier or less trashy examples of this genre these days. Just to touch on that trailer thing, I had that same issue with The Darkest Minds. I feel like... yep. I saw that trailer for like three years in front of every movie that I saw. <laughs> I think I did too. I don't, I don't think I saw that trailer once. That is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Is it yeah. the YA one with the Manla Sternberg? No, yeah. isn't it? Isn't it the girl that was in um, what is it? Uh, the movie that. Uh, Y'all are asking way too much of me remembering this much the about Disney the Darkest movie, Minds. The Disney movie that just came out um, last year that we saw uh, early oh, on. Uh, we, a Wrinkle in not, Time? It yeah. is not that person. Uh, it oh. is Amanda Sternberg and uh, apparently okay. Mandy Moore and Bradley Whitford. Okay. Anyway. I uh, that, that poster from like a distance and I'm like, I that doesn't look interesting to me. <laughs> anyway, that's just a movie that I kept saying like, how is this not out yet? Like this just keeps happening to me. Every movie I go to, I have to hear this tinkling song and watch these children fall in love and then destroy things. Anyway, (laughs) just needed to expunge that for my system. Michael Snydell, (laughs) what did you think of bad 
Battle Angel Alita. Alita Battle Angel. <laughs> you forgot the name. Um, I didn't forget I, it. I just was going to say it wrong again. <laughs> I, I am not quite as kind as as Jay, but but like him, I do think that there is a lot of stuff that I really thought this was going to bungle. I think what's really strange about this film is I, I think that there are some straight up bad elements. And I also think that there are bad elements that we're going to talk about it. It's, it's the romance. I, I really don't think the mm. romance works. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about the, the actor. I'm sure um, you were in standing oh Hugo and Alita. <laughs> uh but uh, and so like there are elements in here that feel clunky but they're also it's also very strange in the sense that it feels very out of vogue with a lot of traditional science fiction filmmaking like i i'm i I really want to uh quote a a tweet i saw actually from a kotaku writer gita jackson who (laughs) described uh this film um as if uh the CW made a Blade Runner, which I <laughs> which I think is uh, an interesting like starting point to talk about some of the very interesting and strange uh, things this does in terms of its emotional beats, in terms of how it approaches character, and in terms of what it's trying to do with like both very maximalist beats and also some really really interesting things about this idea of bodies and physicality and uh, just Rosa Salazar, she inhabits this role in a way that I really didn't expect and really got me over the bumpiest parts. That that said, there were a lot of bumpy parts for me, and I, I just – what at the end of the day is so strange to me is that there are parts of this movie that feel market tested and focus tested to death. And then there are other parts that are just like so strange and unusual. And and then, you know, and then something extremely didactic happens. So it's so weird because there's so much interesting stuff going around the edges of this uh, kind of boring storyline. And uh, lastly, I, I think the action in this looks uh, fantastic. Like I, I, it, there's not, um, the constant cutting that we're seeing, um, in, in so much action movies these days, like a lot of times things do kind of look like quick time events, but still just the, the way that these characters move. And even when it's CG or something, there's a sense of soulfulness that I just really don't get in a lot of, uh, CG experiences. So, uh, between that as well as like, this is, you know, as much as it's like thematically treading the same material as like Gibson and Blade Runner and the cyberpunk genre, like it also doesn't look like that. Like it's very bright. It's not like a damp uh, metropolis. It's um, it, it's very bright. And even for the first couple scenes until you realize how terrible that place is, it almost seems like a nice place to live, <laughs> which I was surprised about. Um, so, yeah, this this thing's a mess, but I also don't want it to be damned in history because it has so many other interesting ideas. All right. Bill Graham. I think this film's parts are, are don't equal its whole. I think this film is much better as a entire experience than any little individual parts that I could kind of pick and put together and expect to end out the other end. 
with something that like even resembles something interesting or enjoyable to watch and experience. So it's pretty incredible that that there's a lot of clunky bits to this film, and yet still it somehow works and manages to to fit together well enough to to kind of fight against some of the more I would say expected things that happen because i mean honestly like this film if you gave me a choice of like three things that were probably going to happen i would have probably gotten like an 80 percent on this right like <laughs> like I, I would have been able to guess like which way this film was going to go pretty much the entire time um that is saying that that doesn't necessarily mean that like a film that does the expected is going to be bad. It just means that some of this doesn't have that kind of freshness and kind of that rebel spirit that you might expect from like a James Cameron film. Um, Avatar not included. (laughs) Um, That, that also being said, I think this film is absolutely fucking gorgeous. I, there's obviously the manga background to it. And I don't think I've ever seen characters that were fully animated and fully CG that look the way that they try to make characters in this film look. And, you know, my jaw dropped when uh, there's there's a, a big, big bad basically in this film that is larger than life. And he looks incredible every time he was on screen. I was I was just flabbergasted. And it takes kind of that inspiration from, you know, whether you want to take it from manga or anime and things like that and it actually puts it on screen and it puts it against characters that are that are real life uh humans and makes it work and i was especially impressed by that um i think the romance yes at the heart of it is uh pretty yeah i i like i like the idea of cw making a blade runner like that that feels pretty damn accurate and and you know there's like a snarkiness to that kind of mentality as well because for all its faults some of those cw shows like really reel in their audiences and like you know a lot of people love that shit no um, i i didn't mean it as a negative i, I just sure, want to say sure. and i don't think gita did either for what it's okay worth. um but those cw shows do kind of feel of a piece in a way sure and it and even like some of the romances kind of feel a little bit forced to the point where like, you know, a season and a half in, you're like, okay, I guess these two are in love. Like, what am I going to do? You know, it's so, yeah, I I don't know. This, this film is frustrating and yet, and yet interesting to think about and kind of understand its trajectory throughout time. Um, I think we mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast while we were kind of talking off mic uh or off recording i guess is how you might say that um and we mentioned that james cameron has been trying to make this for like 20 years or something like he's he's been trying to make this for a while and so here it finally is and you know yeah i i saw all the trailers and i was pretty much like given up on this film and for this film to claw its way back uh 
I found pretty impressive. I think there's some interesting things like Mike was talking about, whether it's like body uh, image and like identity and things like that. That's really interesting. Uh, there's a lot to chew over in this film. And uh, yeah, I'm curious to see where this uh, hopeful franchise, I don't know if that's a spoiler or not, but I'm curious to see where this. Oh, you think a $200 million movie trying to have a sequel is a spoiler? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. But uh, yeah, oh, I, 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 they made a sequel I'm, out of Sicario. Let's just think about that for a second. <laughs> this is this is the world we live in. This is true. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see where this where this franchise goes. Mainly because I don't know what the fuck it did as far as box office. So we'll find out. Alita Battle Soldado. <laughs> Alita Day of the Soldado. <laughs> I, uh, I guess it's here for that. That's that name. <laughs> I, I mean, so, someone in the next movie being called a battle soldado would in no way surprise me, given that like there is a class of people who are called hunter warriors. <laughs> yes, that is that is straight out of like some kind of RPG. Oh, I was like, <laughs> like just what, pick what one. Just pick one. So like. <laughs> Uh, it's every and every time i kept like expecting them to say something else and instead they always use the full name and what's crazy <laughs> is that they're called bounty hunters they are literally bounty hunters but they've decided yeah. that they must be called hunter warriors yeah like wh- where where can i get an hw like can you just <laughs> call me a hw like yeah i don't know i definitely so, got the impression that like there's some Japanese word that has that connotation right? that just doesn't exist in English. So you just have to combine these two English words to get kind of the same meaning. And it just, you would think that like they would call like, and I I assume it's because like, you know, this gets imported in the early nineties and they're just like, fuck it. Like we're doing a literal translation. Doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense, but you'd think that someone would be like, you know, actually that, that has, um, a connotation much as we would call like a uh, a tracker or perhaps, you know, a, 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 a ranger. And it's like, oh, okay, well, maybe we should change it. But instead Brian. they were just like, no, we have to keep it because the fans will be upset. Brian, <laughs> let me let me posit one thing. I'll say one thing real quick. Unobtainium, okay? That's, <laughs> that's, that's kind of everything oh, in man. a nutshell. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same guy. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I mean, <laughs> you know, this movie also has a, a sport called motorball. It's a. Uh, they've got like a dark and dark matter energy heart thing going on. I mean, like there's a whole lot of stupid, stupid stuff in this movie. This is my intro into saying I quite enjoyed this film. <laughs> yes, it's all this, we all yes. like this. Yeah, I guess to varying degrees we do. Now, yes. I have to say, I, I saw this like this morning. So maybe if I'd had my typical like three days with it, I would have let it unravel more. But I think, even though I believe that this movie makes almost no sense from a narrative standpoint, I think that, like, the emotional arc of Alita is well acted on her side, and therefore I was constantly grounded in rooting for her character. I think that Christoph Waltz is good. He's really good in this. He's quite good. Like- um, there were a lot of times where I was like, I hate the fact that he's being saddled with this character who has to be like, clearly you're a cyborg super weapon. I will not let you do anything. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer Connelly, always happy to see her in a movie. Yeah. She gets to wear some outfits. Yeah, she does. <laughs> you know, that's great. Um, Jeff Fahey in one scene. <laughs> yeah, Jeff oh, Fahey is, is amazing. Also, I just realized I was scrolling through the IMDb. Casper Van Dien is in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> he plays uh, a muck, which I assume is a cyborg of some kind. Um. You know, I can't, I can't, you know, going last out of four people, there's not much new that I can add in. Uh, so I'll just say uh, I thought that the the action was uniformly very, very good. A cut above what we are used to. It's funny, you know, computer generated imagery used to be so prohibitively expensive that people had to animatic and like storyboard something out like crazy Nowadays, that's not quite the case, and it feels like in a lot of the Avenger movies, the second unit just kind of goes nuts and nothing ever makes any <laughs> sense. This movie, I it, like during the first fight scene that she has, I found myself um, having the uh, the same kind of reaction that I did during Oblivion, which was like, I don't know if this is going to end up making sense or end up being a good movie. But I am just so happy that I'm able to spatially follow the trajectory of this fight sure. <laughs> that I'm going to give it points for that alone. Um, yeah. So that's great. I think that it's it, Rosa Salazar. I just need to see some behind the scenes stuff because I Same. need to know. I need to know how they did this. This is a uh, in a world where a lot of special effects become rote. You know, I don't give a shit about seeing Iron Man anymore. You know, he flies around, mm-hmm. he shoots stuff like, you know, it doesn't really matter. Like she is a miraculous creation and her acting and the way that it is augmented by the technology is really fantastic. Again, it should be talked about as much as like circus in the the apes films. Oh, absolutely. oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I the, the choice to keep her with anime eyes <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is i just need to sit down with everyone involved in this movie and be like so what was the conversation like you know it's very strange i also and this is something that is more like something to talk about later i'm curious why this movie didn't suffer from the same whitewashing backlash that something like ghost in the shell did sure. um I, you know I don't know. I just don't know. And I don't know. Like, it doesn't even... I, I could have Googled harder, but it didn't even seem like anyone was really talking about it. No, I didn't hear a peep about it, to be honest with you. But I think I think that may have been because this film was almost universally, like, people were just rolling their eyes at it from the get-go. So but weren't they I doing think... that to Ghost in the Shell, too? Also? <laughs> I don't know. I think I with Ghost in the Shell, there was this element of, like you're taking on the beloved classic that was, you know, a Japanese movie originally. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think here, you know, I'm not that really at all familiar with the original manga, but at least the way they depicted in the film, it's a very multicultural setting. Yes. Sure. So I don't know if like, I don't know if any of these characters were Japanese. Rosa, Rosa Salazar also not white herself, for, you know, to be fair. Uh, she's Peruvian. But Correct. Yes. I, I think there is, you know, if I had to guess, there is that's probably where that lack of conversation comes from that's probably just from the manga it's like well you know none of these characters are necessarily canonically uh any particular race i don't right. know it's it is it is legitimately like 500 years in the future you know they make a point of saying that like this city has existed for like 300 years 
And, you know, there's a mishmash of all kinds of stuff. I am, however, like, that's always kind of my thing is like, you know, in the future, everything's going to be different. Like, think about like the English language and how much it's changed in like 600 years. But then you get something that tries to do that, like uh, After Earth, and it just sounds terrible. So like, you do have to pick and choose. I do think, however, that I could have done with one scene of her in school learning about the history of this place because i have a lot of questions and none of them were answered in the movie and i think that the reason that i say that the emotional narrative of this movie landed for me is because up until the last five minutes i had no idea what this movie was about beyond her discovery of herself and so Mm -hmm. when the movie ends with a character kind of like looking at her, you know, I'm like, who the fuck is that guy? (laughs) And even like, it's a name we've heard and all this stuff is happening, but I'm just like, I don't understand even a little bit where she comes from, how she got here and a whole bunch of other stuff. But all of that, All of my issues with the history that they give and, like, the non-answers that they give is sort of wiped away by she gives a great performance. Her relationship with Christoph Waltz is very effective. Jennifer Connelly is in this. And the action is fantastic. And so, like, I guess B minus? Like, I don't know. I I (laughs) sat there. I had fun. I cannot wait for spoilers because there is some bill you said that you like would have gotten an 80 i think i would have failed and i think that i would have been expelled if i had to guess everything that goes on this movie like the second you said that i thought of a scene towards the end and was like really you saw that coming because that had to have been in your 20 percent that you didn't get (laughs) because because this movie goes places and shows you things one of them specifically is Lovecraftian to a degree that it literally happened in a Lovecraft story. And it's one of the things that, like, you read and you're like, I guess that was a sci-fi idea in 1920. And yet, it's here, again, and it is just as beautiful on screen as I always thought that it could be. So, yeah. uh, You know, Battle Angel Alita is not the name of this movie. Alita Battle Angel, uh, it's it's a damn weird time at the movie's three and a half stars <laughs> <laughs> Would also has some of the best action of a blockbuster in a while <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean like if if we if uh, you know i don't i'm not gonna buy this um but if it was on and i saw it i'd be like oh cool and no matter where you are you're not more than like maybe 10 minutes away from an action scene yeah but it also somehow doesn't feel punishing you know like the action is just so like fluid and and elegant in most places, even though it involves a lot of harrowing imagery. That uh, it's it was just like a joy to watch. Like I really enjoyed watching this, and I honestly think that this movie suffered in perception from the trailers because the trailers cut up the action yeah. so much more than it's actually cut up in the movie. I, I think one other thing too, before we even get into like specific details about this, is what I think is so interesting about this is like so much of the trailers focused on like body horror. <laughs> like you were talking about that, yet you know like how some of the cyborgs. I, I'm not sure whether you're talking about their Lovecraftian, but either way, like 
I, I liked so much that this wasn't obsessed with like literally the purity of humans. Mm-hmm. Like there's not this weird like religious quality that's been in so much sci-fi about, you know, robots and androids like wanting to be human and androids only having an imagination as it exists of wanting to be human. Like I really liked that this was almost more fantastic from the get-go if that makes sense yeah like and i'm i'm sure i'm missing examples but like that in combination with just the action just feels like such a, a celebration in such a like body positive um just like joyful way that a lot of these type of movies just really don't to me yeah, a lot of these a lot of these stories are basically just Pinocchio, right? It's like the robot, <laughs> yeah. you want to be a real boy or a real girl, whatever. Sure. Um, and the, yeah, it really kind of slides right past that. And there's one or two. I mean, the you play the trailer. The first line of the trailer is her saying, "Does it bother you that I'm not completely human?" <laughs> and that's the one moment in the whole movie where that's even brought up. And it's yeah, and really it's, funny that they led the trailer with it. But it is weird because it makes it seem like that's going to be a big thing, like. Walking into this movie, I assumed that she was like the only one of her kind. Sure. But there are so many cybernetically augmented people in this. And of course, uh, in the trailer, that line is followed by the inscrutable line, you're the most human person I've ever met. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yep. We're just, you know, we got to hold off till spoilers, I think. But like, we're going to have to spend a good 45 hours talking about Hugo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. That's going to be one of those moments where I have to stop every 15 minutes to say, and again, I did like this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that, um, I think that I, I love this idea that this movie has like a whole thing about like body positivity and finding yourself comfortable in your own skin. I do think it's kind of maybe not weird and maybe not problematic, but it, it is worth bringing up that like when when that happens and she is able to more like fully dictate how she appears yeah she chooses like a classically beautiful form the the subconscious i I think the subconscious form is the the language they use yeah which which i thought was interesting uh, that they even managed to say that like that's where the form came from yeah and I mean, like, again, it's a super cool idea and I love it and I'm down for it. But I think that it would have maybe been more interesting if it hadn't been just like, oh, she she looks gorgeous. <laughs> She's like athletically curvy now. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like a, a more traditional perfection we associate with humans, you're saying? Yeah, it's, you know, it's uh, and I, yeah, again, it's, it, it's it, the the. What is it, the Ruvian man or whatever that thing Vitruvian is? Vitruvian man? Yeah, Vitruvian man. Like, you know, it's, it's straight up Westworld. Like, it's like, oh, okay. So you chose to be lithe and limber. Huh. Right. Okay. And again, like, that's fine. Like, I get it uh, from a, especially, you know, if she is uh, a battle angel, um, as the movie would lead us to believe, then, you know, it makes sense that she wouldn't choose to be, you know, three feet tall and a hundred and. 98 pounds but you know it's just uh i don't know it rubbed me a little bit the wrong way um but i think maybe i have a problem maybe with it doesn't matter if, to you guys no i'm sorry I, I think it would bother me if i felt like the camera was sexualizing her in any way or wasn't like 
making from that moment on very much about that agency. Like I, I, I wasn't feeling like the camera was ever ogling her. And so I don't know that thing was more just like, you know, a, a moment of being her true self, you know, I, 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 I see we'll, on some we'll, level what you're saying, but we'll, we'll have to kind of move yeah, yeah, away from this discussion. though. Yeah. And, uh, um, Jay, did you have any feelings about that real quick before we, yeah, I mean the, the piece I wrote about this movie is kind of entirely, it is about more than that, but it is kind of entirely about that moment. And sure. like the reason I found it so personally moving and I can totally see where you're coming from. Like, Oh, of course. I mean, from another perspective, like, of course she, it's interesting that she just looks like a person when every other Mm. cyborg in this universe, like none of them look like they're all people. They're all like weirdly enhanced and they have knives for hands and, and you know, they don't look like the Vitruvian man and she does. But I also think it is uh, kind of this, tremendous moment of self-actualization where she she has been at the beginning of this movie and we can get into this in spoilers i guess given this body that does not belong to her right and here she has this moment where and it's it's so great that they have that line like oh this is her subconscious image of herself that she's creating with this new body that she can finally like because uh, exist in a body that makes sense to her and that uh feels right to her yeah, and that and, is – I actually – I read your piece. Um, and that is a beautiful idea. And this movie does do really well with that and, and plums it really well. And um, I found that to be one of the more interesting things. Now, I don't know the extent to which – like I don't know if she could give herself like razor blade arms. <laughs> um, but I do like the idea that like, you know, as all these other people are like trying to morph themselves into – you know, cars with chainsaws, basically, she is choosing to have what could be, like, defined as, like, a very feminine form. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that is a very interesting idea. Um, I think... And one that's not violent as well, I'm realizing. Yeah, she the does. She's itself. yeah. No. Um, do we <clears throat> have any non-spoiler things to say before jumping into spoilers? Any final ideas or thoughts we want to throw out there? Uh, Jai Courtney's in this movie. <laughs> he is okay. I um, he's the guy who's like getting getting like fixed and like yep. talks some shit to her, right? Okay, I was like, this is uh, this is real sad because I was like, is that Sam Worthington? <laughs> I thought it was like a cute little, you know, uh, James Cameron Aww. thing. I didn't realize that it was Jai Courtney. Um, Aww, that's. That's precious. My bad. You know, it's so funny. I saw him and I was like, oh, they're giving him work. He's going to be a character. And then he never appears again. No, he's in for that scene. That's funny. That's why I went looking for – well, that's not why I went looking for Casper Van Dien. That's how I found Casper Van Dien because I was like, I need to see if that was actually Sam Worthington. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, maybe it was Casper Van Dien. But now clearly (laughs) two different people. He's uncredited. <laughs> There's a lot of uncredited people in this. Um, sure. Two of which I think will wait for spoilers. Uh, but, you know, it's not a spoiler to say Jai Courtney is in this movie. <laughs> Briefly. Oh, God, Brian, that's so great. It's <laughs> awful. The Wikipedia page, the way it puts it, is so generous. It says he cameos, which oh, yeah. implies that like you would see him and be like, oh, my God, he's in it. Speaking <laughs> of... 
this is a good little break before we get into spoilers. Speaking of cameos, I mm-hmm. was watching Casino Royale the other day, mm-hmm. and uh, I did like a crazy spit take. And it, I don't know why this was so important to me. I like paused, rewound, and then Googled. Uh, uh, the guy who owns Virgin uh, Airlines is in that movie. Richard Brand- Rich- Branson. Really? Oh. Yeah, he's uh he gets pulled out of a security line at an airport and wanted. <laughs> what? I was watching it. I was watching it and I was like, you know, that guy looks a lot like Richard Branson. And then it like went by and I was like, you know, I'm going to rewind this and I rewound it and I paused it and I was like, that guy really looks like Richard Branson. <laughs> and weird. this is like what happens when like your daughter takes a nap and you're just alone. <laughs> Your brain is like, we got to fill in the chaos with something. Is that really Richard Branson? Even cooler than that, I googled Casino Royale Richard Branson. And um, oh, apparently no. on a, a a different airline's like airplane cut of Casino Royale, they cut him out of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it, was the, it was the crazy, yeah, British Airways airbrushes Branson from in-flight Bond film. Airbrushes, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Extra mile. Oh, and geez. I'm like, you know, it's not like he's there and he's like, hello, I own this airplane. He's literally yeah. just a, a bearded, gray-haired man who is pulled out of a security line. And British Airlines, Airlines was like, no fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, a long-form way of saying spoilers for Battle Angel Alita. <laughs> oh, boy. Is Branson the proto-Elon Musk? Yeah. But I think he was cooler than Elon Musk. Yeah. Like, he was just, like, super difficult. Like he's still alive. <laughs> but uh, you, would, you would see Richard Branson, like, videos of him, like, going on huge jet skis or whatever and, like, sure. doing cool stuff and not just spending all day on Twitter like Elon Musk does. <laughs> right. Like, Richard Branson was like, I have billions of dollars. I'm going to, like, free dive from space. And mm-hmm. Elon Musk is like, hey, the guy who's trying to save those trapped children is a pedophile. <laughs> <sighs> yeah so spoilers so spoilers for battle Alita. uh i really like there's a couple that i really want to dive into but i think before we get into the fun stuff we've got to address the bland white bread milk toast issue at the heart of this goddamn movie his name is hugo he rides a unibike <laughs> and cool. um i hate him no, the unibike is cool, though. Yeah, the unibike is fine. Though it does seem like it's it would be difficult to get on. It does. <laughs> Very tall. Yes. It's this guy, he reminds me of, like, every boy crush from a, like, female protagonist Disney Channel original movie from when I was in middle school. And I don't... I don't like him. I don't understand. Like, there's a point where Alita literally says, like, you know, with me, it's like, I'm all in. And I was like, clearly. And I just wish that you had found someone else. Like, I wish that the first seemingly age appropriate boy that you met had been literally anyone else. I wish it had been Hugo's friend, Tanji. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like the cat, the, the, the. The lack of chemistry between them really, like, fucking killed me. And then his, like, 
I don't know. Like, they, the movie kept trying to make me, like, invested in the whole, like, oh, you know, she's a cyborg and he, like, makes his money by, like, ripping the organs out of cyborgs. Isn't that going to suck when they find out? And I was just like, I could not care. It was, um... Yeah, when they bring that up later in the movie, when someone says to him, like, what, what's she going to think when she finds out you're, you're uh, jacking cyborg parts? I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that would be a problem like that had not even occurred to me <laughs> that's that, a, that would be an issue that's a super awkward second act issue for a rom-com to tackle <laughs> <laughs> jennifer has finally met the perfect man little does she know he's a black market organ harvester <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah and, um, hugo the, the this is like a textbook case of of one actor bringing so much to a character relationship and the other actor just bringing nothing, just absolutely nothing. There's this scene in the middle of the movie where she, first of all, great gag when that she's like perched in his windowsill as he's sleeping. Yeah. Just staring yeah. at him. That was, uh, that was <laughs> the twilight awkward. Scene. Yeah. yeah. Not awkward at all. I was just like, wow. Like this a is succubus right waiting to perch on his chest and eat his soul. But the scene has this build where she's like, this is the scene where she says, like, it's all or nothing with me. And it has this build where she's like, well, we can we're going to get you to the city in the sky, uh, which is his whole dream. That's where he wants it to go. And we'll do this and that. And I would give you anything. I'd give you my heart. And she takes her heart out of her chest, literally, and and hands it to him. That was was pretty great. Yeah, I like that. And then she backs off and she's like, wow, that was that was kind of intense, huh? (laughs) And the problem is that he has been no selling this entire scene. And just giving her nothing to work with in terms of response so that when she says that, it completely falls flat because there's no sign on his face that he thinks this is intense or that he thinks anything about what's happening at all. Right. He's like, man, I'm hungover. I really hope Chipotle is open. (laughs) Oh, shit. My girlfriend's talking. Yeah, babe. No, that was crazy. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's the, I mean, it's funny because you brought up that scene and I, my initial thought was going to be because he can't act like he's ever had a drink in his entire life. Like, even just the way that he gets out of bed and he's like, I was hanging with Vector and there was some alcohol involved, I guess. I'm just like, can you do anything? Man, you are fucking <laughs> killing me here. Like, oh. the only reason that I like him is because she is so cute and winning and she likes him. You know, it's like. Your best friend has a boyfriend now and you're like this, this like, you know, just again, milk toast CPA is the most boring human being on earth. He literally just told me he doesn't like music, but God, she loves him so much. I just have to muscle through this. That's, that's too mean to accountants. I've met some nice accountants in my day. <laughs> oh, boy. <sighs> I mean, yeah, he he's he's an issue, and and the 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 way that, and this folds into my larger narrative issues with the plot of this film is that like while he is helpful to her in discovering her humanity and stuff, there's just so much surrounding like the war that happened three hundred years ago and the city, the floating city of Zalem, and just all this other stuff that I'm just so confused about, and so when the movie really like buckles down on like isn't it this tragic romance because like all he wants is to go up there and and she wants to help him so badly it's just it really wasn't working for me and like when she did her whole like heart thing i thought that that was her gambit to like try to get him to like stop dreaming about that place i did not realize at first that it was real (laughs) and that she was being earnest 
I it's I think that the movie does some fundamental like missteps in trying to get me to understand why Zalem is so much better because like yeah there's no police sure. and like you know there's a serial killer in the streets but like other than that <laughs> the place doesn't seem that bad I it, I was feeling the same way and I thought <laughs> there was a problem with me I mean like you know. To bring up Blade Runner 2049, that place sucks. Like, Los Angeles in the future in that movie sucks. It's always raining. You know, a piece of wood will be enough to, like, buy you a synthetic horse. Like, animals don't exist anymore. In this movie, you know, they have, like, cats and dogs. And they're able to go outside of the walls of the city. Which I was like, the world must be covered in nuclear fallout for all these people to be sitting on top of each other. And they go to a verdant fucking jungle. Yeah. And they don't have to wear like a suit or like pop a pill or anything. And like there's farms. Like they're going through the street and I'm like expecting to see someone chopping up a cat. And instead a man gives them immaculate craft chocolate. Sure. And he's got flowers and she's eating a falafel. And I'm just like... What is the problem here? This seems sort of like the East Village. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was a weirdly interesting choice that they never show Zalem at all. Yeah. Like there is no – I mean like you say, there's no indication that it is good – like even good, let alone like so much greater than what they're they're living down there. And I think it is – I don't know. I, f- I found it interesting, this idea that they are they just kind of take it for granted that the people above them, that there must be something great up there. They are told their entire lives that there is something great up there to aspire to, and that is what they have to work towards. And that is how they are exploited, basically. like That's, that's Hugo's whole arc, is that he is exploited by this promise that he's going to get to go up there, and it's completely a lie. He's never going to get there. What's weird about that to me is that everyone seems to know that you can't get up there except for Hugo. But Sheeran thinks she'll get up Sheeran there. Sheeran used to be from there. No, I know. As, I, as I was, was Ito. And that, that annoyed me, because like, you know, the second you find that about that out about that, you think that like... I almost called him Gary. Uh, you think that Hugo would be like, oh, like, can you tell me about it? You know, it's like it's like if you always sure. wanted to go to Ireland and you meet an Irish person, you're like, oh, is it great? Is the Guinness flowing like water? You know, <laughs> and and Hugo instead is like, all right, peace out, Doc. I'm going to walk up a tube to yeah. try to get to Zalem. And I, you, you want know, some like, more like external gossip, like that type of thing. Just like you want to hear about how the roads are paved with gold. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because this film definitely ends on a cliffhanger leading up to the potential sequel. Like, I'm not going to say that this movie is going to get a sequel just simply because I don't know what it's made and nobody else has mentioned that yet. So um, I don't I I think it's interesting that this film so for so much of it tries to be kind of a standalone thing and then you get to the very end and you're like are you fucking kidding me you didn't tell me anything about like Zalem or or like who this guy is and it's just like yeah no this movie definitely ends on like a note of just being like all right stay tuned for the sequel guys and it's just like okay i mean i guess that's how some some movies are are operating these days but i felt like it was 
I don't know. I felt like it was it was so ballsy to just basically end your film like that, you know, in a kind of unsatisfying way. It's, it's just like, wow, it's ballsy, though, in the way that like if you went to a restaurant and they gave you a thing of crackers and some jam is ballsy like yeah yeah no i'm not saying i'm not saying it's a good ballsy i'm saying it's (laughs) ballsy as in like like brash and and just like really i don't know i I mean i guess james cameron just like i'm gonna fucking fund a a a sequel whether you want it or not (laughs) i hope that like jesus i legitimately hope that that's like the power that he wields like you know i think it would be interesting to follow this sure like you know again i really like alita i like uh dr ito um they fucking killed off hugo so i don't have to worry about him anymore you know <laughs> yeah. um chirin is is in jars sure and her eyes still blink yeah yeah so so she's she's still got it going she, on she is alive correct like that's because her heart oh yes and yes. her brain and her eyes yeah. are there so like, Wait, can I? I want to say something about that ending, though. Like, I, I, we're really we're just gonna gloss over her being in charts and alive and going into <laughs> the movie. Kind of glosses it, over it. It's a, it's it, it is weird that it just kind of like, oh, she's by the way, she's just eyes now. No one talks about it, and it is and the he most. Closes insane. the box. <laughs> he opens the box, and I'm like, that's the thing. That's literally from an H.P. Lovecraft story called The Whisperer in Darkness. Oh, that's the one. Okay, we're like the Migo. <laughs> that can like fly through space on their space wings are like, we can take you to Pluto. We just have to plug out your eyes and your brain and put them in a tube. And (laughs) it's the weirdest goddamn thing. And this movie visualizes it. And when that happened, I like gasped and then giggled and just like kicked my feet. Cause I was like, I love how fucking crazy this is. (laughs) And I need, I need a whole movie. That's just about like, we've got to get her brain. That'll totally be a story. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, they gotta go find that brain. They gotta they gotta create a whole new skeleton to put it in. W- was anyone else confused and thought that James Cameron was in this movie, and then it turns out to be Edward Norton? Did anyone else like not think that that was <laughs> Edward he Norton? Looks, now that you say that, he looks suspiciously like uh, James Cameron. Oh my god! Yeah, I, was, I, was, I can't I believe like, I didn't oh think about my- that. I was I was just like the whole time I was watching it because I it, it doesn't really hit me that it's Edward Norton until he finally took off the goggle oh, sure. things and yeah. I was just like what the fuck is James Cameron do-? like I I understand <laughs> this guy's balls are gigantic but I was just like are you fucking kidding me you put yourself as a main character in like a future storyline of this movie I was okay, like okay I'm so glad shit, you said a villain. future like the that's, ultimate villain yeah that's some Stephen King shit there. I'm so like, glad however like, that you wow. said a a future storyline because if you had just said a main character I would have said how dare you <laughs> because <laughs> they bring up Nova like three times. They never really tell you who he is. And then I'm like, wait, that is legitimately what we're building up to. Like, and then the movie ends with her, like, pointing a sword at him and him being like, come and get me. But like, if that's what he like. There's just a lot of problems, again, with the narrative of this film, because like she if he wants her, which he appears to, he could just invite her up. She doesn't need to do the motorball thing. Also. Like, if he's that powerful, couldn't he just say, like, you don't get to come up here because I'm worried about you and it doesn't matter that you won Motorball? Like, the the power that Zalem has over Iron City 
is very ill-defined. And I I was just shocked at the end when it was like jumping a couple months ahead. And it's like, yeah, she's finally done it. She's won Motorball and she's going to go up there. And I was like, to do what? Well, I was really confused because it's Ito that says that he and and Shireen had to come down from Zalem when their daughter was born with like a, a deformity. And I was She's like an illness is what they said. An illness. And right. I was like, okay, shouldn't everything be like really fucking good up there? Well that depends. Empire? Maybe Zalem is like won't accept an illness like a spartan society where they're like yeah, oh you, sure. you your baby's bad we're just gonna throw her over and she can fall into the scrapyard <laughs> yeah yeah i mean no. you laugh but like legitimately that's all i could figure because he's no, like no, no, we had no, to come down here to, to help her and i'm like yeah maybe they just fucking hate people who aren't perfect but then the only person we know from up there who's still up there is like 400 years old yes and and appears to be somewhat cybernetic right like that's what we are led to believe yes he says and then then the other aspect of it is all of these battle warrior things that win at motorball get to go up there and i'm like wait but they're all pretty much machine like right so i was gonna say maybe it's like the last like remaining place where like they're they want biological purity but like clearly that's not Mm. the case yeah, it's good. I, don't I don't know. know. Jay, did you? Does any weird. of this? Did any of this make sense to you? <laughs> you know, I, I let the. I was so compelled by Alita as a character that I kind of let a lot of it wash over me. So by the time that they're talking about, oh yeah, you're a robot from Mars and you were fighting on the moon, I was like, yeah, sure, bring it on, keep it coming. <laughs> Again, we cannot gloss over. Yes, there is a battle on the moon. Yes, you get to see it. No, you don't get to see it nearly as long as you'd like to. It looks really cool. <laughs> Fucking it looks really cool. Microgravity, like <laughs> hand-to-hand fighting, is sweet as hell, man. Okay, I love well, that they also. Yeah. This is this is a piece of world building that I did like that I thought was like well deployed. The uh, Panzer Kuntz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the fighting style that is yes. specific to robots to fight robots. No, those specific cyborgs, not yeah. all robots. Oh man, just yeah. like <laughs> so the awesome. The erm. The yes, arm. the arm. That's can correct. we can we take a second? I have a question. The people <laughs> from Mars are humans that colonized it, right? I don't know, but it's but it clear. was it, it was the United Rebel. No, no, it's the United Republics of Mars. Re- okay, wasn't it? Um, yeah, that I sounds so. right. Okay, yeah. that sounds right. <laughs> so, like, we'll go with it. Because, <laughs> like. There apparently used to be a shit ton of flying cities. Now there's only one. Interesting. The Mars apparently had to fight its way down to Earth with a stopover at the moon. We don't know why. I We don't know why the war started. I mm-hmm. assume that the Earth won? Perhaps. <laughs> Is and this even Earth? I don't know. Well, it's the the ideology behind this war matters so little that there's literally a scene where the two Hugo's two friends, like one of them says, well, wasn't she our if she's from Mars? then wasn't she like our enemy? And the other one was like, <laughs> who cares? It was 300 was years, years ago. ago. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Like we're already like, you know, I was going to say like I have friends who did study abroad in Germany. Like it's not that big a deal. Like it's been 300 years. But I do. I like. 
there's a part of me that's just like it it feels like it matters especially since that is who she is and what she was doing and apparently these martians which i will call them that because if you're born on mars you're a martian even if you're a homo sapien these martians are sending their cybernetic killbots specifically to take out nova but I don't know what Nova does. Like, he's clearly not a good guy, but I'm not 100% on, like, why he was so bad that he needed to be killed 300 years ago. And what, like, how has he failed to accomplish whatever he felt like he wanted to accomplish? Like, it's... It is an odd situation in the sense of, as you're saying, like, it does very much seem like a means to an end when you start looking at some of these things and, you know, you use it as a, as to portray this journey of self-actualization, uh, you know, more than any of, you know, any interest in, like, actually defining the politics or the economy or understanding how, you know, anybody on the ground lives other than as bounty hunters and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, mechanics. Like, like it's, I I do think like what I do want to say about that, like, I, I agree with you that you spend too much time with Nova and on that politics to not give that. But I want to say that I don't think this feels like a franchise starter in a way that has become, you know, kind of derogatory in this blockbuster, mm. um, I, in this blockbuster way. Like I, I did honestly find that final scene very interesting and emotional. I Not to mention that she literally uses a sword through a tear, but like, I guess what I'm saying is, um, that last scene where she has the sword and is pointing it like it, in that moment, it became less about their encounter than, you know, just that she's finally becoming the person who she was meant to be. Like, it felt I, yeah. like the end of that arc to me. And especially, like, and I do just want to say, like, as much as we're talking about James Cameron and, like, brashness and stuff, this doesn't have, like, the smugness that I associate with a lot of blockbusters i wasn't feeling like i was being bullied into the possibility and that's of sequel and the way that's that, that rodriguez somebody, energy i i think you're right i, I think you're right I'm, I'm sorry jay i interrupted you no i was just gonna say i completely agree with you about the ending like the reason it worked for me is because it felt like the conclusion of alita's story and where she has this this moment of like she is saying I'm I am I know who I am I am who I want to be and I'm coming for you next but that doesn't necessarily mean like it, it, we're ever going to even if we never see that story this still feels like a complete movie to me it sure. doesn't feel like the marvel thing where it's like well every movie ends but then it's kind of like well but the, but also <laughs> we're, there's this other thing that maybe we'll get to later and you have to see the next one to find out uh it, it doesn't feel like that to me and it also doesn't feel sure. like presumptuous like in the way that a lot of these franchise non-starters like eh, how many movies have we seen in the last 10 years that end with just like and and we're making a sequel no you're sure. not <laughs> uh, if you thought this one was hard you have no idea what's coming next and then just like side eye at the camera and like you know if the they cast try to of captain hugo. underpants will return <laughs> um if they try to resurrect hugo though in any type of sequel Again, uh, fuck it. No, it's not happening. Well, I, like the, that they, I like that they bring him back from the dead in this movie so they don't yes! have to do it here. <laughs> Pretty late into the movie as well. He's resurrected for about five minutes. Yeah. That, that was a no- 
<laughs> there was a part of me that loved that, but there's also a part of me that hated that. I was like, you went through all that trouble. He's got a cool robot body and you're just going <laughs> to kill him. Yep. <laughs> In a way that is hilarious because like if he still had a meat body, he'd be fine because his goddamn arm wouldn't be disconnecting like a USB <laughs> cable when you drop something that's plugged in. I, again, like, I hated that. He was like, oh, you don't understand. Like, I have a I have a bounty on my head. I need to do something reckless and wildly, like, nonsensical. And she's like, we can be here together. She has to say, like, together, like, four times before this fucking idiot realizes that this, like, beautiful completely faithful loyal young woman who's like the most badass creature to ever exist is in love with him <laughs> like what a piece of shit <laughs> it does make you wonder how the erm actually lost that like she is this incredible force and there's just one of her and then you just imagine like oh what if there were like 200 of her all of just, them like, trained by yeah. michelle rodriguez and all of them being able to like physically turn their bodies into whatever they wanted to. And just like, oh, oh shit. Like, wait. Well, that's why I'm that's curious. <laughs> did Erm lose? I don't and know. How did Alita end up in the scrap bin? Because, like, what I. Like, this was, was she. 300 years ago, Brian? I don't care. Was she. <laughs> I um I also found it confusing that apparently like uh humans will call the um the cyborgs hard bodies. Mm-hmm. I guess because they're made out of metal. Um yeah. because here on Earth in the present, in yes, certain places, hard say. bodies is a word for like an athletic fit woman. Yes. So I was wondering like why is this guy talking like a bro in Daytona Beach? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like he's being real kind of weird about how hot he finds Alita to be when clearly his friend is into her. Yikes. <laughs> uh anyways, moving on. But so okay, um, so that's my that was my uh, you know, we're, we're not here to crack the plot and <laughs> and the the future of this uh possible franchise, but I was just confused cuz I'm like are we to assume that she fell and she has been knocked out for 300 years? Or did she eventually make it up there, lose, perhaps get, like, tinkered with, and then thrown away when they realized that they couldn't make her do what she wanted? Mm-hmm. I, th- it, it, I think hopefully the sequels will answer some of that, or, or, and see, or the manga. <laughs> this, is why I, this is why I find it baffling that anyone could find the ending of this movie to be, like, I don't want to say good, but, like, fulfilling. <laughs> Um, because, (laughs) well, no, like, you know, you, you, it it was compared, I believe by Jay on like favorably against the idea of like the unfavorable version, which is like a Marvel film where it's like, well, there's going to be great stuff coming next time. And this movie, they were dead. They're not. (laughs) I would have loved it if there was a post credit scene that was just like Hugo waking up and being like, oh shit, I'm still here. That the bad version of this movie has that post credit scene. I it's Yeah. But so this movie, like, you know, okay, so let's go to Batman Begins. Batman Begins is about the beginning of Batman. Um, Christian Bale has to spend the entire movie becoming the Batman. And then the movie ends with a very graceful little, like, oh, you know, this guy, the taste of theatrical bank robberies, turn over a Joker card. Oh, shit, the Joker's coming. This movie 
is like if they stretched that Joker scene out to like the final 15 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. And we're like, you know, you know, Batman, you've been you've been trying to become Batman. And, and I think you're really close to being Batman. And now we got to talk about the reason that all this stuff is happening is because of the Joker who's been behind everything. And he'll be like, well, I'm going to kill the Joker. And then the movie ends with like the two of them, like staring at each other as the Joker's like about to rob a bank. And Batman is like about to play motorball. It like it it sets up something to be a big deal, but like you, that's not the movie. Like the movie, as you all have said, is about her figuring out who she is. So I think if you had just like kept it to like, you know, her her shitty boyfriend wants to to go to Zalem and she wants to be a poet warrior. No, a, a hunter. <laughs> <laughs> maybe she does i don't a know poet warrior sounds insufferable oh my god i died i just died what is it a oh. hunter warrior she wants to be a hunter, hunter warrior. warrior and and she wants to play motorball and like but she, she wants to be a battle mage the craziest part about both of those career options is that she never succeeds in the movie at either one of them she not yet she goes for like her 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 tryout and in both cases midway through either doesn't do it or like just ducks out and it's it feels to me like the more the movie the the version of this movie that would fulfill me in the same way that that jay and michael appear to have been fulfilled would be about uh ito and hugo helping her you know ito in the the hunter warrior thing and and hugo in the motorball thing and like letting her grow into this body in what they believe to be like a healthy way while she's like fighting this kind of shadowy organization like don't have vector get taken over or have him get taken over but don't have anyone know that he's getting taken over and then the ending is like you know, this is great. You're like you're you're like one step away from being the motorball champion. You're one of the best hunter killers, whatever, in the society. Um, you know, you think that you've smashed open this criminal organization, but you've only taken out like the first rung. And like, there's this guy Nova, and blah blah blah. And then like, don't connect it to her past. Like, leave that for the next movie because uh, by the end of it, I was just like super really confused about a lot of stuff and so the ending felt less like it already felt like she had achieved her actualization of self in that fight with vector Mm. and the the ending was just like now if you thought that was crazy get ready because she's finally gonna take on nova and i'm like i forgot who he was in relation to everyone else i wonder if there was a cut ending at uh vector's death that is a an interesting mm-hmm. question. I, does that does, like did, just to elucidate you know, like what I'd say? Like, does what I say make sense to anyone? I, I think it it's interesting you bring up you bring up Batman Begins because I feel like the reason Batman Begins' ending really works is because everyone knows who Batman is and everyone knows who the Joker is. Right. So you can mm-hmm. watch that ending and be like, oh, like you can. There don't have to be sequels to that ending because you can watch it and just imagine, oh, and then he goes off to fight the Joker. And I know what that is already. I don't mm-hmm. have to see it, which makes me wonder if this ending works better if you are familiar with the manga and you can have that moment of like, oh, and then she goes and fights Nova. And it's like, well, I don't really have I know what that that happens. I know what that sure. looks like. And I can just be happy with this conclusion. I wonder if that would work better. Yeah, because mm. as it is presently, I'm like, oh, okay, great. I can't wait to like learn more about him 
over the course of the next movie, I guess. It's interesting you say that because I had heard coming into this film, early reaction was basically, oh, you better have read the manga. Otherwise, this movie won't be nearly as satisfying. And I don't think it was people saying that because they had already seen it and then seen the ending. I think it was because there's a lot that they figured this film wouldn't touch on and that if it was only one movie and only two hours, they'd be like, Oh, you it it would basically be like people going into uh, the Dark Tower and like uh, other people realizing that that movie was like an hour and a half. And they'd be like, oh, oh, uh, I I sure hope you have read like at least Gunslinger or something like that. Where it's just like, uh, you guys are going to be real fucking lost. I am. I compared this movie in a favorable and fun way to World of Warcraft. Mm. Yeah, I love Warcraft. Wait, do you so. mean do you mean the oh, just game Warcraft. or the movie? The movie the by okay. Duncan Jones, Warcraft. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, a movie I, think, that, I think half of that movie is fucking excellent and half of that movie is bonkers garbage, but it works. Is it as the a human whole. part? <laughs> yes. This, the human part is bonkers garbage. Sure. But this movie uh, reminded me fucking beautiful. a lot of Warcraft, where I was just like, I don't know what's going on. People keep saying things. I don't know if I'm supposed to follow along. I pretty much know who the protagonists and antagonists are. I'm in for the ride. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, like yeah. I said, you know, for all for all of my like tearing out my hair trying to understand stuff and my 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 issues with seeing the ending proper of this movie as a as a thing, I just thought of something crazy, uh, but I need to finish this thought before I can get into it. Uh, the ending of this movie, like I didn't find it to be emotionally satisfying because I found like the thing that happened five minutes earlier to be the emotionally satisfying part and the ending to be sort of like a, you know, Nick Fury thing. But if I had no idea who he was or what was going mm. on, um, are Jennifer Connelly's eyes still in Vector's office? <laughs> Cause he opens that too, like the case, and then all the fighting happens. I don't <laughs> I, think those I, things I got hope. sent. She she is not seen carrying that box out of that room. No, so she's but, just but I, in there. <laughs> I, I imagine she's she brought it back. But uh, so do you think that they I, buried like a, a full casket, but with just the brain and the eyes? <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm really curious what the hell motorball is because at the like at the one of the final showdown or at the uh tryouts right there's a couple of things happening here with this entire sport that i'm really curious about (laughs) a um we are introduced to it by a bunch of humans full humans right Mm -hmm. they don't have any android parts playing this very brutalistic sport and then you flash forward to, I guess, the pro version of it is not humans playing this sport anymore, but like human cyborg meshed together, right? Yeah. And so I'm just like, wait, so what are the regulations? And do they have like a human league well, version of that? I don't. And- yeah, <laughs> the impression I got is like, you know, I mean, the impression I got with a lot of this movie is basically if you have cybernetic parts, it means you have some money. Like, mm. you have worked your way up mm. in this world to be able to afford to enhance yourself that way. So if yeah. you're a pro athlete, like, the the motorball players we see are, like, completely tricked out with everything they need and weapons and weird stuff. 
um, even more so than the hunter warriors, which are still even like you get like there, you get the impression that that's how you make money in this world. If you want to, you want to get the cash, you become a hunter warrior or you become a mortal ball, mortal ball champion. And you mm-hmm. need to be, you need to be a cyborg to be good at both of those things. Unless you're Christoph Waltz, in which case you need a big like blood, bloodborne weapon. Oh my God. Um, well, it, oh my God. I loved his hammer, his rocket hammer. His hammer so yeah, that was it, awesome. I made one of those in fallout. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess, I guess it, it, you you bringing that up brings me to the perspective of like what what some people look at like the NFL and kind of understand and and are like, okay, yes, like I'm a human, but I don't look like that human, and I'm not as strong as that human. And right, I'm so not you as can fast. play a pickup game, but you yeah, couldn't yeah. roll with the big boys. See, in my head, it was <laughs> we like <get> demolished. <laughs> oh, okay. All of these teenagers are like the kids in Brooklyn with their newsboy hats playing stickball, and like professional motorball is if. The first baseman yeah. for the Yankees pulled out a gun and shot the Oriole running to first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Okay, you, you know yeah, like, that, that that makes that makes a little bit more sense, and I, and I understand kind of the dynamic. The other yeah. dynamic that I didn't understand was we only see, I guess, like two games. We see like one and a half game early on, and then we see her basically uh, have a tryout, and he mentions. I think it's uh, the the um, the announcer, the, not the announcer, but the guy that's uh, running the show. Uh, I can't remember his name Vector? right now. Yeah, Vector. Uh, Mahershala. Yeah, yeah, Mahershala Ali. He mentions that this is a free for all. This is a every man for himself. And I was very much under the impression that every match we had seen was a free for all. Like, I didn't get the impression that they were fucking teams. The street game definitely had teams. Yeah, I don't... kind of. Like, like nobody was wearing, like, a jersey or anything like that to, like, distinctly... Like, yeah, but they were definitely, talent. like, pass the ball, like, give me like give me the rock sure, type of sure. thing. But you're right that the professional ones seemed a lot more free form. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I was just like, wait, so she's... She like, did they change the rules or is this just like I, I was very confused because, yeah, like we see the professional version and it just seems like fucking utter chaos on the field. And I'm just like, wait, I was under the impression that it was always like that. Like everybody was shooting for each other anyway. That is that I is. However- there's a line. I think there's a line that's something to the if I don't even remember what it is, but it's something some explanation of like, well, because it's tryouts, you know, there's or there maybe there's like there's not enough people to have to form teams. It's like, like oh, yeah, the announcer, the announcer says, like, like because there's only one opening on like the real league, you know, this is going to be every man for himself, which I guess I can't think of one presently, but there must be some sort of sport that you can play that way. Like, mm-hmm. I guess pool, maybe like, you know, you can do doubles on pool or you could just have like whoever knocks the most balls in. Depending. Sure. Uh, t- uh, tennis. I mean, no, because tennis away... is still one on one or two on two. But like, there's got to be a game where like you can either be like two teams of five or like just six people wailing on each other. But, um, I way, like one of the nets in most in like soccer or basketball, you could probably play that way as yeah. long as there's only one thing you can put the ball through, which is, I guess, how motorball works, too. Sure. I, um, sure. I did. That was that was one of my my favorite parts of the movie is like when when her father 
is like, you know, the, uh, like be careful out there. Like there, this is a setup. They're gonna try to kill you. And she's like, which ones? <laughs> He's like all of them. <laughs> and it's great yeah. how like she never has any fear. Like she she knows what for she's sure. made for. And they even bring up a little bit. Like you seem drawn to this. Yes. Yeah. He <laughs> he mentions it at at one point. He's like, you are drawn to conflict. And and she just like. I am, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, like, man, yes, I you fucking are. love it. <laughs> yeah, uh, the whole sequence is fantastic, though. The, both race, well, I guess, I guess there's three total motorball scenes, but yeah, they're all yeah. Fantastic. Her her motorball scene, like leading into the chase to the church, where <laughs> this movie. I was not expecting this movie to be as violent and crazy as it was. Um, her yeah. like decapitating yeah. her boyfriend and like hooking him up to her heart to keep him alive. Ooh, this there movie is, is it's, it's kind of crazy how brutal this movie is. That's the one thing <laughs> is, I was not is expecting. It, is it PG thirteen? It is. That's some that's some some dumb bullshit that that the Matrix is rated R, and this movie is rated PG thirteen. Like that's some dumb, dumb bullshit. That, well, they get that's away with just so like, much because it's robots. Yeah. Right? So it's like you see a guy get his all his limbs ripped off and his head explodes, but it's sure. the blood is green, so it's okay. She punches yep. into a man's eye socket and I breaks know. her hand off, and we see it, and then we <laughs> see him later still with it. Hold and on. This wait, is wait. a this movie is rated. PG thirteen. Someone gets cut in half. Yeah, a, a human, human, a human gets cut in half, <laughs> yep. and I saw blood. Like it wasn't just like oh, and they cut away and then they cut back. I saw blood like coming from the two halves. Like blood pools when vectors like kill too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, here's some. Here's another place where we saw some blood. Uh, when a dude shoots his like razor finger through a dog. That's rough. And you then she—that's the one moment they cut away. <laughs> they yeah. don't show it happening. <laughs> she uses that dog's blood to like do eye black. Yeah, Th- that was yep. badass. Let's be honest. That was so. I was when I saw her reach down and touch the blood. I'm like, is that the thing from the trailer? Like, am I going <laughs> to see is. the eye underline thing? Is it dog blood? <laughs> yes. Yes. This and movie. <laughs> this movie is rated PG-13. Eighth grade is rated R. Yeah, I'm telling you, there's there's some bullshit going on in in the movie rating system. This is ridiculous. But um, yeah, at at one point, like talking about like horrific scenes of just like nightmare fuel is her as a single armed organism fighting back against that giant fucking thing. And you're just like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Logically, like none of this makes any sense. And I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. Like, I don't want to think about this. Like, like it reminds me a lot of like the idea of, of, I just saw a trailer, the new trailer for Chucky. And it was, it just reminds me of that (laughs) shit where you're just like, hold on. No, like this doesn't make sense. And you're just like, how do you fight with one arm? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> so here's the thing. Here, here's a here's a fun story. Once again, bringing my child into this podcast. Um, just a side note before I begin. At some point, I thought to myself, what happens when my daughter becomes older and listens to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just one of those things where like every once in a while. Every once in a while, I'm like, you know, I, I wish I knew my dad in his Educational. 20s. <laughs> and uh, my daughter's never going to have to wonder about that because she can listen to this. But anyway, so I was um, 
I was watching Ant-Man and the Wasp on Netflix because I hadn't seen it in theaters and I was bored and I knew she was going to wake up soon and I didn't mind turning it off, but I forgot to. So she wakes up, she comes downstairs, we end up watching it. It's a good old fun family time. She gets super excited with all the big and the small stuff and the action mm-hmm. and uh, she's two and a half. And so I'm like, yeah, you know, this is, I don't really see like why this is PG-13. Honestly, like two and a half year olds having a grand old time. Like there's some <laughs> violence. There's like, you know, there's some violence, but it's like. The people and they're shrinking and stuff like there's really not like blood you know there's gunfire and stuff but she watches the incredibles and there's gunfire in that too and so there was a legitimate part of me (laughs) when i was gearing up to see this movie that i was like you know i have to call a babysitter i wonder if i could just bring her with me and i am so fucking happy that i didn't (laughs) Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it is something there's like there's a problem in the rating system if this movie and ant-man and the wasp are the same goddamn rating <laughs> yeah you know it's funny I, I had the same thought uh my little sister's nine and i i love taking her to movies and i had the same thought that was like you know i bet she might you know she likes star wars she might get a kick out of this and it was the moment where the guy gets chopped in half with a sword and you see like the meat from his halves as his top half tumbles to the ground i was like hmm yeah let's skip this one yeah yeah and it's funny because the movie like one of the first things like when they see uh zapin zapin with his like zapon yeah that's it you know what michael what i could do without the attitude Um, (laughs) (laughs) what was i gonna say when you see him with the sword and she's like whoa check out that sword and hugo's like yeah they outlawed guns in like iron city and i'm like i don't feel like you traded up (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah guns are illegal but if you got a rocket hammer or you got like fingers that can shoot what what did they call them like grinders out that will like shred a dog instantly is that so much worse is that so much worse than someone just like pulling out a gun and shooting someone? Like they, they apparently can't rebel with that stuff, though, so it's it's okay. All of the ways to die are so much worse in this <laughs> world. It's not even like that movie that I bring up every once in a while, Bunraku, where like because like weapons are outlawed, it's like swords and fist fights, and it's awesome. Like they've just been they've just invented new methods of cruelty. <laughs> Uh, it's pretty much nightmare nightmare fuel for a lot of people yeah so uh this is a this is a rough movie like it's it's you know and one of my things is like i don't like go crazy about it but like if i see a movie that has like a strong female protagonist and like you know good thoughts and ideas i'm like can't wait to show that to my daughter you know so like Mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons i wanted to see the incredibles because i was like there's a lot of great stuff in this and I was like, you know, like the first like 15 minutes of this movie, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to enjoy like showing this to her when she's older. <laughs> and it was the end of it. I was just like, she's never fucking watching this. <laughs> I will show her Deadwood before she sees this movie. Uh, just like my 12 year old so daughter, like in the car with me calling someone who cuts us off a cocksucker. And I'm just like, Fine. <laughs> Totally fine. Just as long as I don't have to stay up with you because you remember the part where the little girl got her arms and legs chopped off and then had to spring herself up and break her fucking hand off in a man's face. Yeah. God damn this fucking movie. That was cool. I got to say, though, like it's, it's cool, it, but it's nightmare for you. This movie's like, insane. I don't, I don't want it to happen in the I best way to happen. 
but like that that like that kind of is like it's it's what i said when i like when i when i brought up my nutshell feelings on this movie i was like this movie's fucking crazy and i really liked it and like there's so much that doesn't make sense and so much that isn't brought up but like i i don't care you know i've got the gist and the action's real fun and like sometimes just thinking back on stuff like that is just like you know when she bites into the orange Mm-hmm. And then spits it out and, like, they have to teach her. Like, there's some really, like, cute, nice stuff. And that's the type yep, of stuff yep. where I was like, my daughter's going to get a kick out of this. Mm-hmm. And then she kicks a woman's head into a wall so hard that the rest of her body falls off and the head oh stays there. God, and that's... I'm like, mm, no, don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Um, th- there's a moment where they watch her jump into the water and she she straight up just like hits the bottom because I guess she weighs like 500 pounds. Um, and then Hugo's she first words to her are, you're really heavy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, one of the guys, uh, Hugo's friends, he asks how long she can breathe. Is this not something that they know about, like cybernetic people that like because it doesn't look That's like she try she breathes at all like it doesn't seem like she's gasping for air it doesn't seem like she even sucks in and like gets a lung full of air i don't think she's got lungs like i'm pretty sure the 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 guy like opened her up also she handed hugo his her heart at one point so i don't know how how any of this shit works but i'm pretty sure like she doesn't have to breathe oxygen or maybe for like a 20 hour period. Maybe you can suffocate her, but it seems kind of obvious. She that, never like, appears winded. No, like it, I never see <clears throat> her like, like go run on a track or anything like that. Like she doesn't do weightlifting or, or anything else. Like, I don't think that's how, how cybernetic body work is. You I guess it depends how much cybernetics you have though. Yeah, sure. I, like I would imagine if you grow up in this city and you're seeing the hunter warriors walking around, it's like you don't know what organs they still have, what they've had replaced with, you know, metal Fair cans enough. or what. There's like one guy who like kept his his pancreas for like <laughs> legitimately <laughs> no reason. Uh, uh, there's there's someone that gets like gallstones. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I, I think that is a fair question, though, I, it, like referring to just what Jay said is like, I do kind of wonder, you know, whether Hugo and his friends, like whether they have had conversations with people with cybernetics, because based on that early scene, early scenes of the streets, like it does seem like there's a lot of cybernetic people who aren't just, you know, hunter killers or uh, really, there's a, a murder ball. That's not what it no. is. <laughs> Motorball. Motorball. Uh, that's that's Rollerball. <laughs> yeah, they're all real things. Um, except Murderball is actually real, but uh, Basketball. Motorball, yeah, <laughs> Motorball. Yeah, like it's Motorball players or it's Hunter Killer. So you know, it's bounty hunters and things like that. But it does seem like more average people. Like I, I'm interested, like who the clientele are that uh, Ido has. Yes. You know, are they, the, the, are the, they that first guy that the that first guy? Yeah, he's like got the he like works on a farm and he's got an arm. Yeah, sure. Like I, I even the nurse. I, I can't yeah, remember who mentioned it, but like the whole idea of like how class actually fits into this, where like did you have to be rich to get the cybernetic? But as you're saying, like it does seem to be a fact, lot more random. <laughs> well, that's what I was. I was. I, I was confused. I guess like figuring out throughout the movie because like clearly the hunter killers, hunter, the hunter warriors, 
<laughs> Why don't I just call them bounty hunters? Anyway, the, the hunter warriors seem to enjoy augmenting themselves. Like, they like mm-hmm. getting some new stuff. Like, sure. but that guy on the farm, like, did he lose his arm and he needs a cybernetic arm in order to just keep his menial manual labor job? Or, like, did he come home one day and say, honey, I have great news. We finally have enough to get me that robot arm and I'm going to become a manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, an upgrade. I don't need the answers to that. It, it's fun I think to that's think interesting, about, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. And I, I think that, like, the, the movie clearly is very focused on Alita. And again, it can't be overstated yeah. that how, how good Rosa Salazar is and how good the technology that brings Alita to life is. But I think that, like, I... I it's a it's a testament to how good she is that I want the world around her to be a little more fleshed out. Like I sure. I would love to know like she asks her her father, you know, Dr. Ito, um like can a human love a cyborg? And she's he's like, you know, does this cyborg love a human? And I like I re- like this might be too much for well, I was going to say a PG-13 movie, but there's a lot that happens in this. It, it might be too much to go into, but I like I know what you're about to ask. <laughs> is there a point at which you have to be like, you know, you have to realize that like love is tied up with like sex, which is a biological impulse and like you're not going to be able to like do that. You know? But she does have that cybernetic body that can, it can do any form. To- yeah any form that she wants and so well, i guess yeah. i'm curious like you know we don't again this this is probably me me thinking these things is actually like a a note in the movie's favor even though i wish that the movie had like had time to address it but like you know is is she like sad that she'll never be a mother you know mm-hmm. is that the type mm-hmm. of thing that's gonna haunt her or is it like you know, who was she? Like, whose brain is in there? Like, was she, like, growing up on Mars being like, one of these days I'm going to be a berserker? You know? Well, it, it, it kind of it makes me interested in the guys that are playing motorball because we see one point the, the guy with the arm that, like, splinters into all those blades. He's walking out of that Kansas bar with, like, three ladies on his arm. And I'm just like, but do you have functioning body parts? Well, he was in I a don't... completely different body for motorball right like th- i think no, that- no 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 it, it didn't seem like it because he certainly got his arm jacked right but i think so this is another thing that i i, I wish the movie had gone into a little more because like they make a big deal that lolita's core is uh, okay I, what they I, find I, I and what's what alive saying. and so, so like so you're saying like he's he's almost like a race car where they can like swap out parts and and like or just have a a completely like a street version of like his his humanoid form that he like walks around in. Yeah, and so like I think they do it to Gruishka too, uh, played very effectively by Jack Haley. Where like they pull out like the tadpole. Is that whoa? Hold on, <laughs> that's Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. What? <laughs> oh my god, my mind is gonna hurt for for like five hours. So like what? they basically you you take a second, Bill. Um. <laughs> They basically, like, take out the head and spinal cord, and it seems like you can swap that in and out. So, like, uh, is is it the case where, like, all these murder mur- roller motorball guys, <laughs> I usually don't have this much trouble with things, uh, words, um, all these motorball guys, like, do they have, like, you know, it, like, like, it's a race car driver, like, well, I drive to the, the stadium in a, in a Ford, 
you know, Fiesta, but I then get into my like Formula 100 car, like, you know. But but I'm still curious about working body parts because he's he's definitely walking around with like some chicks on his arm, and I'm just like, how does how does this work? Is it, maybe, is it pleasure? Maybe pleasure he's of a the pleasure mind? giver. You know, okay. maybe yeah, no, no, but he like, gets satisfaction is it, is it just from knowing he's treated someone right. <laughs> I tried uh, not why to. Why did this episode get so horny? Like, come on. <laughs> I don't know. Did you see that new body she got? I mean, damn. Oh. <laughs> But in general, you know, like I said, despite all the nitpicking and, you know, almost like, again, a a a note in the movie's favor that, like, I didn't just walk out and say, like, oh, good movie, whatever, fuck it, done. You know, I sat there and I, I thought about this world and I – my hope would just be that, like, should a sequel arrive, that we would get more of it. Um, And I, I think my final, like, substantive comment is that I, I don't like when a movie – that is ostensibly about someone discovering their past ends with many questions about their past still un- undiscovered. Mm-hmm. That sounds I like feel, a personal problem. <laughs> yeah, that is a personal problem. <laughs> um, and so that's just another reason why, you know, to bring it back to the Edward Norton of it at all, that, that final, that final scene James Cameron? didn't work. I'm still so upset that I didn't make the James Cameron connection. Yeah. Norton's got that gray hair. Oh Jesus! Mm-hmm. I the whole movie, I was just like, "This is not fucking happening." Stands right now. up there and goes, "I'm the king of the world." <laughs> the subtext is so good. <laughs> that that alone is enough to make you want a second movie. Yeah. Alita, Battle Soldado. <laughs> Jay, any final thoughts uh, on your end that maybe like are more substantive, meaningful, and less dumb than what I just said? <laughs> You know, yeah, like this movie is not – I would encourage everyone to go see this movie. Absolutely. This movie is not going to be a movie that everyone is going to like. It is definitely in the – you know, the movie that I thought of more than any other while I was watching this is Speed Racer, uh, which I mm-hmm. love. I think that's a great movie, and that is a movie that a lot of people will watch and say, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> that was nonsense. Um, but it has that same uh, – I mean, the motorball scenes are are obviously really similar, but it has that same, like, you don't watch it and think, oh, that did everything that I expect a movie to do. That That is everything that I expect a, move, a normal movie to be, and, and, I'm, and I'm done with it now. It is much more uh, bizarre, and it is not, I don't remember who mentioned the idea that, like, bits of it do feel focus-tested. The, the romance especially and like, yeah, like the romance uh, and Hugo suck. I can't defend that part. Hugo's terrible. It's a terrible performance. I feel so bad for this actor, but, you know, he should have tried harder. This, this actor does not have a Wikipedia page. Um, <laughs> they had an arc on Nashville. He will. He will. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I found it like so much of what I, I was pulled through so much of this movie just by Alita, just by Rosa Salazar, who's phenomenal. I couldn't believe how good she was in this role. Um, and just by this character and how much, uh, you know, personal meaning this arc had to me and the world building. It doesn't, it, it is so, it matters so little to me. Like I can understand how how you would watch this movie and be like, I don't understand anything that just happened or what they're talking about, and and the they were fighting on the moon with Martians. But to me, it's like, oh, this is just this is some interesting flavor. Like it's 
it's okay. I'm, I'm good with this. Like it matters so little that there's a moment in this movie that I love where they're introducing all the hunter killers and they, <laughs> and Zapan points to one and goes, and she's screw head. And it comes to a woman who has a screw in her head. <laughs> like that is the level of world building that this movie is operating on. And I was just literally willing to be like, okay, yeah, sure. Um, the naming the culture in this movie is insanity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, but it uh, it is a lot of fun. The action, as we talked about, is so so good. It is not just like the bare minimum, which is I can understand what's going on. It's really dynamic. It's really energetic. The thing, the grinder, the the long fingers are so cool, and the way they like are like tentacles across the screen is like is like is a really neat, uh, a great great bit of character design. And yeah, I I, I left this movie thinking like. Uh, Man, first of all, I want to read the manga. I want to see what this story is really all about. But also, yeah. like, can't believe how much I like this, considering everything leading up to it just made it seem uh, terrible and trashy and disposable. Yeah, definitely agree. I mean, like, you know, come for the fighting on the moon. Stay for, like, Rosa Salazar's tremendous work as Alita. And, you know, bring some tomatoes for Hugo. <laughs> <laughs> I think the one other fascinating thing that we've, like... I feel like we've talked around a little bit, but like uh, we've talked about in, in terms of anime, uh, like live action anime. And we have talked, we talked a little bit about Ghost of the Shell earlier. And now uh, Jay just mentioned Speed Racer, which I also have a huge amount of fondness for. But it, it is really interesting um, seeing a, a lot of big anime and uh, manga fans saying that this is one of the best adaptations they've seen um, oh, of an anime. But it, but it is, yeah, it, it is certainly encouraging, and I because they kept the uh, eyes, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'd recommend if you've ever read Emily Yoshida's piece about Ghosts in the Shell, she wrote a great piece about uh, the kind of inherent racism um, and uh, at, at the verge. That's where the piece was at, and uh, about the Ghost in the Shell and anime's troubled history with representation, but. Um, yeah, I, I guess what I'd just say is it's just really interesting that people are talking about this film in relation to anime uh, so positively and, and talking about how it's translating the energy and things like that. And I feel like for so long, you know, we had things like Dragon Ball Evolution and, <laughs> you, you know, yeah. various other checkered histories. How dare uh, you make me remember that that movie exists? <laughs> No, I don't think even oh. the actors remember it exists. So you don't okay. think Justin oh. Chatwin doesn't go home and lay down on his Casper <laughs> mattress that he bought with the royalties from Dragon Ball Evolution? Oh I, I, you know, you're probably right because I've heard terrible things about the young actor who played Anakin and the depression that's followed him. So you're probably right that whatever Justin Chatwin got like fed off of Shameless. Oh, he's, he's that doing fine. Guy? He was Goku. No, I know, but I didn't know he was in Shameless also. Yeah, yeah never he was mind. Steve. I don't, I don't feel bad. Never mind. <laughs> Funny enough, I'm looking at it right now. Emmy Rossum, also in Dragon Ball Evolution. So apparently what? they met there, wow. and then like Shameless was getting cast, and they were like, you know who I have great chemistry with? <laughs> this person yeah. from Dragon Ball's Evolution. But that was my point. Uh, good anime adaptations are heartening. <laughs> yes, indeed, they are. Now we just need a good mm. video game movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, you want to talk about Resident Evil? I'm here anytime. <laughs> oh, I was going to say Assassin's Creed was good. So I never saw that. I like those games, though. Uh, that's a, that's one of those. Uh, 
I'm trying to think if I could say like if you like Delita, you'd like Assassin's Creed. It's a uh, it's shocking how crazy that movie allows itself to be. <laughs> huh. I mean that All game's right. pretty cra- that series is pretty yeah, ridiculous yeah the, the series is about like you literally playing the video game because it's like your genetic memory of like one of your ancestors and the the movie does not shy away from that even a little okay. bit is there future stuff there is future stuff there is past stuff there is like uh an apple a literal apple that contains the is. genetic code for evil <laughs> yep uh, right. there's eugenics but, but, wait what? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> anyway, Brian, I don't think you're talking about Assassin's Creed anymore. I'm pretty sure that what they do counts as eugenics. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Everyone should go watch Assassin's Creed. <laughs> yes. Uh, the winner of the best movie they told you not to see at the first ever film stage show awards. Speaking of which. Ladies and gentlemen at home, if you haven't voted in the new Film Stage Awards, do it now, because what's going to happen soon. Yeah. Um, that is all today for Battle... Battle... Fucking God damn <laughs> <laughs> For Alita. Battle Angel. <laughs> <laughs> there was a time in my life where I would go in and attempt to fix all the times <laughs> that I messed it up. But I am not, not a proud man, time? and I have no shame. I am just real bad at this. <laughs> Alita, Battle Angel. That's all we're going to say about it. It's out in theaters now. Check it out. We all enjoyed it to some degree. If you are able to fill in any of the lore of this movie, up to and including Erm, human or not human, Nova, 300-year-old wizard man, good guy or bad guy, who started the fall, the war that led to the fall, uh, please email us podcastfilmstage.com or tweet us at filmstage show. As always, uh, remember to give to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the film stage. Enter now to get a chance to win a copy of Widows on Blu-ray. And of course, we are brought to you by Movie, the online streaming cinema, where every day they give you a brand new film to enjoy for 30 days. As we said previously, Queen of Earth is on there now. If you're just having way too good of a day. Diary of a Country Priest is also on there. It's their Berlin Owl takeover. And uh, coming I, up, if I may, by the way, I don't know when this is going to come out, but you have six days as we're recording this to watch Hanagatami, the film by Nobuhiko Obayashi. If you've seen his movie House, which is in the Criterion Collection, if you've been browsing at Barnes and Noble and you've seen the movie with the big orange cat face, that's him. Great, great movie. Both House and Hanagatami. Uh, love, love, love both of them. That's on Mubi for at least a couple more days when you're probably hearing this. Yes, because this will be out either tonight or tomorrow morning, and thus you will, in fact, have time to watch Hanagatami. Is that pretty long, uh, Jay? It is pretty long. It's it's an investment, but it 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 moves at a pretty good clip. I just wondered if I need to sixty nine minutes. Okay, I, I wondered yeah. how much time I'd have to set aside. Okay. All right, <laughs> and again, you can get a free trial by going to mubi.com/slash/filmstage. <laughs> So that is it. Let's tell the fine folks at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we speak to them. Jay? So you can follow me at J underscore Rosenfield, and I post links to all my uh, stuff that I write on Medium. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, I guess, pin my uh, Alita piece so that if you're coming to my page from here, you'll be able to see it right away. And you can see all the other stuff I write. Yeah, uh, and do check out that Alita piece, because it is a damn fine piece of writing. 
Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me online really pondering the masculinity nature and question of becoming a motorball player and then what that <laughs> leads to in the future. Oh, of it's your like life. steroids. Uh, oh, ooh, I kind of like that. I kind of like that. Yeah. yeah, it could it could leave you impotent. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> um, moving right on. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG and then uh, – yeah, you can also find me mixing it up on that Slack channel. A uh, lot of conversation going on around uh, uh, VHS and uh, cassettes, apparently. So that's interesting. Um, We're real cool guys. <laughs> yes. Woo! Uh, but yeah, that's about it. Uh, this movie rocked. Like, it, it's actually really good, guys. You should go see it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Snydell. <laughs> I was I was waiting for you to say something. <laughs> I know it's just Bill was like I'm just gonna throw in one more plug for Alita. Um, I, you can find me on Twitter at, at @snydell, and I'm actually gonna throw in a plug for Alita, which the '93 dubbed anime uh, is actually available on YouTube. Uh, so I might Ooh. be like promoting an illegal stream, but I actually couldn't find it in any legal way so look look it's it's illegal but it's on there so it's technically not illegal until it's taken down right exactly yeah if it was illegal they would have done something about it by now yeah (laughs) that's how i get through my life (laughs) but yeah Um, so uh, also on letterboxd uh i still might write something about the image book i'm still thinking about it all right. Mm. Awesome. As for me, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brian J. Rowan, Instagram at Brian J. Rowan, everything at Brian J. Rowan, because having a brand, it's important for people to be able to find you everywhere easily. And of course, you can find all of these episodes and everything else that we have done on the filmstage.com. And uh, yeah, I guess that's about it. No idea what we're talking about next week. Possibly Dragon Ball Evolution. Um <laughs> We will have another classic review coming out midweek because, again, yes. we are trying to catch up, and that will be Devil in a Blue Dress. Woo! Get excited. Keep Get it with excited. Denzel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. We saw Denzel in Unstoppable, and we're like, you know what? We need more of Denzel. So look forward to that. It'll probably be out uh, Thursday morning. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us, and tune in next time. I totally forgot that I wanted to say that like the best of all like of all the terrible names in this movie, the best one is given out by an announcer at a sporting event who like you can hear him organically stumbling upon it. What is it? It's when he calls he's the one who calls her battle angel. He's like, she's got the face of an angel, but she's <laughs> ready for battle. And then like two minutes later, he's like, there's Alita, our little battle angel. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one. He's the most important character of the movie because he is the guy who comes up with the titular line.